We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds, Kobe Pierce. Guys, Georgia is the new standard of college football. Uh, we'll explain why. Uh, Michigan and John Har- Har- Harbaugh has decided to introduce a beat Georgia period of practice. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, listen, keep down Georgia. Uh, listen, we're, we're only the two time defending national champions back to back. Uh, but keep doubt in Georgia. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. And we take the questions from the Discord folks. Loaded show. Kobe, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Uh, just, you know, halfway point in the week, halfway point in the day, at the halfway point in the week. It's all downhill um, from here as soon as the okay. podcast is over today. Okay. Uh, also, letting you know now, uh, no show Monday. Uh, due to the holiday, so we will return next Wednesday uh, with a show, uh, just giving people a heads up in, ahead of time. Uh, but first things first, Kobe. Uh, we'll, we'll start with we'll start with this Michigan introducing this beat Georgia um, period of practice. Right, they already have a beat Ohio State. Right, that's their biggest rival. But when you when I heard about this, right, I wanted to sit on it because I wanted to kind of take in everything, uh, and it's I think it's a compliment to Georgia. Right. And I also think there's some things that could be taken away from Michigan side of things that I I feel like they should be focused on themselves and bettering themselves more so than beating Georgia or I get the Ohio State part. Right. But focus on yourself rather than right, like a beat Georgia press. Like I'd like to know what that means, like what that part of practice entails. Right. Overall, I want to get your thoughts first, though, before I kind of pontificate a little bit more about it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's one of those things that 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 when you create it, like you, if you're at Michigan, you think in one thing, and then when the media finds out and you hear about it, they kind of blow up, run with it. You know, like I saw numerous articles yesterday, like, oh, Michigan's got to beat Georgia period now, and. Maybe they should be worried about beating TCU since they haven't played Georgia in, you know, two years or whatever. Um, I, I understand that basically all they're saying is, 
you know, to be the best, you have to be able to beat the best. But uh, I'm with you. It, it, here, it was always more of a beat yourself because you're the best team you're going to play all year kind of mentality of, like, you're playing better people in practice every day than you're going to play in 90% of the games this season, if not more. Um, I mean, I like it. it. It gives you something to focus on. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt you were playing us for a natty, which I'm sure that's what he is preaching right now, that, that he thinks we're the best two teams in, in the country. Um, I would be interested to know, like, obviously right now he's not allowed to, allowed to have actual practice. So it, right now it's just like an extra period of running or conditioning or something, like you're saying. Um, like Just like the beat Ohio State thing. So I, I like yeah, it. I, I we mean, never I, I, anything we, quite like it, but it definitely gives you, like, the ability to create a hatred towards a program possibly. Yeah, I mean, when you when I th- when I th- first heard it, right? Like, it's one of those things where I, I understand the jokes, right? Like, people outside of Michigan fan base are like, "Oh, shouldn't you focus on TCU?" I get that completely too. the The thing about it is, right? You look at you look at Michigan the past two years. During the regular season, they take care of business. They handle right. They handle business roughly up up through the um, up through the right up through the uh, Big Ten championship, right? So you handle business. You, you won the Joe Moore award-winning, you know, offensive line twice right now. And then when you get to the playoffs, you make it to the first play, you know, first playoff game and, and you get beat, right? Like Georgia out physical, you know, basically just outmatches you physically, right? TCU, you be I felt like Michigan beat themselves. I, I feel like instead of a, a beat Georgia, I feel like you need to find ways to close, right? Michigan even the past two years, Michigan was a playoff team. I don't think there was really an issue with saying that, right? But you saw the physicality against Georgia just completely outmatched, right? Maybe that beat Georgia thing is tied to the physicality, right? Like we we have Bloody Tuesday, right? Is that potentially obviously when when they're able to you know to ramp up, um, you know, parts of practice where you can get more physical, right? I think that matters. And I think I'm curious to see if that's what that entails, because it makes sense to me. I felt like they, when you play a team like a Georgia or an Alabama, you have to bring a different level of physicality. They didn't do that, and they got completely outmatched against Georgia. But finding a way to close, right, close games. Right? Like at TCU, there was no reason for them to to lose that game, yet they found a way to lose it. Yeah, you know? No doubt. I, I think that I think that Michigan, you know, like any team – that's building on like a good quarterback or somebody like JJ McCarthy, who basically you get three years of JJ McCarthy. Um, obviously, uh, when they played us, Kay McNamara starts the game. It just doesn't go very great. Doesn't really go a lot better when JJ McCarthy comes in either. Um, you know, that year it was us in Alabama. Like those were the best two teams in the country. I don't really think either team that we played that year had. A great chance. I mean, obviously, Michigan believed they did. They were a good team. Just didn't play a great game. But I really think not only that, but we also played a great game. Like, it wasn't just that Michigan didn't. Um, Versus this year, I really do believe uh, that Michigan may have been the second best team, you know, or at least the best team on their side of the playoff. I'm I'm not sure you couldn't argue Ohio State was the second best team in the country. But – 
it, I think if you're a Michigan fan, you won't you've made the you made the playoffs two years in a row. You've won your conference two years in a row. You've fallen short, you know, against us in kind of an embarrassing like, okay, like this is our first time being here. We kind of see now like what it takes. We're really happy because we finally got over the Ohio State hump. You know, we've made a playoff. Okay, obviously we're not ready to compete. Versus then last year, you go undefeated, get over the Ohio State hump again, and roll into town as the number two team in the country, kind of like, okay, we got a good chance. We have a very favorable matchup with TCU. Um, and, and then, like you're saying, really don't, don't do anything except do wrong things to lose it. Turnovers, turnovers on the goal line you know, mm-hmm. not opportunities to score, things like that. And so now in this year three with J.J. McCarthy, which could possibly be his last year, um, you know, you, you kind of bulked up like 2017 Georgia did. You were turning a lot of good players, a lot of old, you know, mature talent. You know, if you're a Michigan fan, you're you're through the roof. You're thinking 12-0, and 13-0, beat Ohio State for the third time, win, you know, the Big Ten, and then roll into town as the one or two seed, basically with your sights set on beating whoever you have as the matchup in the semifinal and playing possibly Georgia for Natty, basically, to to ruin a three-peat. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I'm not going to keep harping on Michigan and everything like that. Like, how they run their program is how they run their program. But the beat Georgia thing kind of helps us a perfect transition into the next portion of this show. And that's establishing why Georgia is now the, I would say, standard for college football. Right. When you when you look at Georgia in a sense of right what they're doing, right, you're back to back national champions. You're on the verge, uh, you know, betting if you're a betting person. Right. They have the best odds to win a three peat as motivated, dedicated uh, and the brigade shows right here, uh, as also JOWG. Um, you know, basically, you look at it, you're also recruiting at an elite historic notch, especially this class. Um, yeah, listen, I, I just think it's one of these situations where Georgia has, I think, surpassed Alabama at this point. And I think when you look at Michigan instilling that beat Georgia, right, they could have chose beat Alabama. Right. I mean, they could have chose anyone else, but I think it's I think it's telling at that point, you know, the beat Georgia. Right now, albeit you could probably say they have a historical tie to that and whatever, which is fair. But I think it does drive a point that right. Like people people look at us as, as a standard. That's what they want to get to. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, right now, like we've talked about um, recency, you're the team to beat right now. I mean, you just are especially after the year Bama had last year, which, you know, it was a down year according to their standards. Um, you know, basically lose two games really close. Uh, but played in a couple other games that, that you could have lost to. That, that's the that's the thing people forget. I mean, they could have been four-loss team at, at some point. Uh, but I think you're, you're, you're on top of the mountain until somebody knocks you off and – and then to sustain a couple years, um, you know, the big thing is, is we know a, 
we know uh, at some point you're going to kind of have not a fall from grace, but you, you're not going to win five in a row, you know, without dropping a game. So, yeah, the big thing yeah, I mean, for us if you is, do that, that's insane. Yes. <laughs> that's the, insane. The big thing for us is just to sustain throughout this year, enjoy kind of this ride, um, you know, kind of weather the storm, and then going to 2024 on the expanded playoffs, you know, it would be great to know that you won – the last three, like, new age championships where they were, you know, the four-team playoff, the normal conferences, kind of the whole thing like that. Um, and I think Michigan thinks the same thing. I think that's what everybody's saying right now is is Michigan, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at um, USC, I think, uh, I think a bunch of these schools this year you're going to see, like, this could be our last chance – Obviously, like extended playoffs, you have a lot of chance next year. But this could be our – you could always be known as the team that won the last four-team playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You talk about that standard, right? We talk about the standard. I'm going to introduce you a standard, folks, and it's it's also our sponsor, right? Apotheos Roastery, right? Listen, we talk about an elite standard, man. That coffee is absolutely elite, and I guarantee you, Kobe – and J-O-double-G in the, in the brigade will tell you the same thing. Uh, listen, go give them a shout. Uh, go give them a follow on their social media accounts uh, on Instagram, at Apotheos Roastery, Twitter, at Apotheos Coffee. Folks, check out dgdpodcast.com forward slash Apotheos. Uh, go view their selection of coffee. And if the reason why we, we push our website is because when you use our link, 20% of every single bag that you purchase goes to the classic city collective that because they're the official uh, partner uh, coffee and cold brew partner, excuse me, of the classic city collective. So use our link, dgpodcast.com forward slash patios, go buy, go buy up all the K cups, all the coffee, uh, make Jason work up there uh, harder than what he's already doing. Uh, get you some coffee. It's, Great coffee. I actually did a giveaway last night, Kobe. I don't know, late night giveaway too at that. Um, so we got a winner getting a couple bags of coffee there. Um, oh, man, Classic City Collective Dark uh, dark Roofs. Mm, chef's kiss is all I'm going to say. Uh, thanks, Apatios, for uh, sponsoring the show. But we're talking about this standard, right? Back to it. Um, you know, listen, I, I think, you know, for the longest time, Alabama was the standard, right? You looked at, you know, what they were doing, just sheer dominance, right? All these things, all these factors that play into it. And it's just fun to see, you know, it's a great time to be a dog fan because of the fact that right, now you can kind of say like you're back-to-back champions, you're right. Like it's just a fun time to be a Georgia fan. Uh, JWG also says, uh, it's, it's season's going to be uh, the best time to be a Georgia fan. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with them. I, I'm with her and I'm with the brigade here. When, when I look at and I think you look at recruiting, right? You have to have all these pieces consistently, right? Recruiting on the field. And it's got to be consistently at an elite level on all aspects. Georgia's hitting that on the head, right? Nail on the head. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see that Georgia took over Bama, if you will, as a standard. But at the same time, there's also some things that come with it, right? When you are the standard, that means every single team in America is is, is gunning for you. 
Uh, so that means, you know, Kirby, Kirby has always preached about being the hunter, not the hunted. Right. And, and I think if anyone is able to channel that focus and keep the message clear, you know, exclude all the outside noise, I think it's Kirby smart. I mean, you've played under, I mean, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah. Like I, like I kind of said earlier, you know, he, He's worried about us. He's worried about getting us ready. He's not worried about what everybody else is doing. He's not, you know, he doesn't have enough. He tell you he doesn't have enough time in the day to worry about our team and having us prepared, and you know, his family, and worry about the Michigan Wolverines and what they're doing. Like, there's it, not enough time in the day for that. Like, you know, at, at some point you got to make sure that our offensive line knows what they're doing. Our running backs are doing what they're doing. Our DBs know what coverage they're in. They know what to do against bracket or man or, you know, whatever they're doing that they know. Our coaches know what we're trying to implement, game plan, and then also spending time with his, you know, wife and kids. That's a full-time that, – uh, that's a full, full-time job there. Um, so, yeah, yeah. He, would, he would definitely stress to you that, that he's one man and he can only handle – taking care of the Georgia Bulldogs and I think at some point he's done a really good job of that and uh he would he would tell you that that's the same thing as a player you should worry about that you can only worry about being in the right place giving full effort being attentive learning you know giving everything you got into the game plan and into practice and the weight room and then also turn around and giving that same attention to school and then turn around and giving that same attention to your family or your girlfriend or whatever kind of thing. And that's what the full-time job of the student athlete comes to as well. Like you can't be worried about, Oh, well, you know, this is what Alabama's doing. or This is what Michigan's doing. It's like, no, it's like, this is what we're doing. Yep. No. So, you know, I I see dog day afternoon here in the, in the uh, brigade says it's three peak Kings about to make history and some other fan bases, big mad. And Israel is saying hello, everyone. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is interesting. Like when when we're looking at it right now, right? Like you always hear about right, teams that are elite and everything like that. Like a lot of people overlook this time of year, right? Uh, you've got July coming up real quick. Um, tell tell people as a former player why July matters in terms of your team and preparation and doing the things to, you know, to, to prepare for the upcoming season. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, um, there is like, right. I think now's the time where they kind of do their little combine, if I'm not mistaken, um, where they kind of just prepping for the season and everything. Do you know, do you know any about like much more about that at the point? Um, yeah. So at this point in July or in June right now, because let's see, July will start this weekend into next week. Um, it, it's really an interesting and fun time kind of to be in Athens, depending on, like, your school schedule and stuff. But, uh, you know, dead period's about to begin for recruiting. Fourth of July is about to, you know, kind of wrap up. Kind So all the coaches are about to use, you know, two, two and a half weeks of vacation time. So – it's going to be kind of quiet around the building for a few weeks. It's, it's just going to be you, just going to be the strength staff. Um, you know, it's kind of like your last chance. We used to talk about it between July 1st and like July 10th, give or take. 
Um, cause you get a long weekend or you're, I don't know what they're going to do, um, with July 4th being Tuesday, but you kind of get that maybe Monday off. So you get a long weekend. That's like one of the last opportunities that you have a long weekend until after the season. So like these 10 days are really the time to like, you want to go see mom and dad, you want to go to the beach, you want to you know get away for the weekend, get out of Athens. You want to go to the pool and drink with all your buddies all, all day, like. Just don't be here. Nobody's here. You know, you had a heavy lift on Friday. They're going to give you off till Wednesday. Um, but kind of one of those things of like, you know, you spend 10 days with just the strength staff or maybe even more. You really are kind of getting focused in on something maybe more individual. And then like you're saying, we always do the the Georgia combine, which I think is a huge help because it kind of gives you a set of base numbers as a freshman, as a sophomore as a you know mid-year enrollee whoever you are that like this is this is the nfl combine these are the numbers by position and these are the averages and then here's your numbers and then you can kind of show them you know well this is where i am compared to the average person that ran the nfl combine this year this is where i am compared to a top 30 pick that ran the nfl combine this year um it, that just kind of helps you realize like okay, I really probably need to work on my speed. I need to work on my strength. Um, and then after that's all over and the coaches are back, you flush worried about that and, and you're getting ready for fall camp. And once fall camp kind of kind of ramps up at, I imagine like July 25th, 28th, give or take, um, and it'll run through probably August 15th, 16th, something like that. Because um, you got the well, you got the dog days of summer up on the 29th as well, which that's more of a recruiting thing. But um, you know, I think that's when business will really be officially picked up. Yeah, at, so. at, at, at the at, at the latest. Those right? are well. It all depends. I don't know in school. I don't know school schedule. So how fall camp or how fall camp has always worked when I was there and that I've known is basically you have to give student athletes off for finals. No matter what semester it is, you have to give them like a grace period to be able to take finals, obviously. So you get a small grace period at um, like at the end of July, basically like three days to take your finals. The, the day after the last final, you report to camp that morning, eight o'clock. And then you basically start camp that day and then camp goes until typically the day before the first day of class is when you check out of the hotel. So then you check out, can go home, do laundry, do all that stuff, get ready for school the next day. Um, but then like camp style practices may not be over until um, another week or two, depending on what everybody's schedule looks like. So gotcha. at least not in the hotel. I know you. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. I know you. You. We've talked about the combine and everything. And now the the information coming out of that might be kind of hard to hard pressed to find, right? But we can always kind of look at, you know, what we're like, what I'm looking forward to, right? Like, what do we want to see coming out of that, right? Um, you know, like I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, Raylan Wilson. Uh, Raylan Wilson was on, I think, the Players Lounge talking with Aaron Murray. And then I guess there was some talk about him locking up, uh, clamping down uh, Brock Bowers. Um, I, I felt that interesting because now that we we look into this, right, like, you know, you had the – I don't know if you heard about back when he uh, – during the during the uh, 
what is it, bowl practice, right? During the bowl practices, uh, clocking 23 miles an hour on the on the catapult system, right? I think for me, I look at like Raylan Wilson will be an intriguing uh, piece for me, right? Just to kind of see like, like we know he's fast, but like and I'm not necessarily an advocate for the 40 times as much, but it'll be interesting to see what he does, you know, in the 40 and, and kind of things like that. Uh, so I want to pose a question to you, and we'll, we can kind of go back and forth on this as well. But are there any are there any things you want to see, or, or you know, even if it is a specific player, uh, what are you looking forward to do with this combine, or, or when you hear when this information comes out, when it does, if it does? Yeah, and and obviously there will be a couple guys that are, um, you know, tuning in pretty heavily with either relationships with certain players or maybe, you know, a coach, an inside coach source um, or or not even a coach, but like just some inside source. There will be some numbers that will come out from the combine. I think really they run 40s. They do verticals and they do broads. It, it's pretty simple combine stuff. You know, it's not the bench press. It's not um, every once in a while, maybe the L cone here or there, but but most of the time you have enough players that it's really a three a three thing. It's a vertical, it's a broad, it's it's the forty, and you get two attempts at the forty. Um, you know, I think obviously the vertical can can be very interesting to see when in talks of like pure athleticism. Um, but but I think where everybody's wanting to see the money made is is the forty time. I mean Yeah, it's, it's, I mean it's, right even so, if I, it's not the best indicator of people's um, abilities, people want to see you run the run the forty and and see it be a fast a fast time. Really, I mean, yeah. if, if you're like, oh, Rylan Wilson ran a four three one, we would be like, uh oh, he's moving. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, well, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think the I think that like like I said, with Raylan being the intriguing facet there, right? Like. You've got Raylan, but I think at the same time, like, keep in mind all the speed that we brought in, right? Like, Anthony Evans, and you still got Arian Smith, obviously, but Yazid Haynes, things like that. Like, it'll be interesting to see some of these guys, like, you know, just see where they are. And I, I get this feeling deep down that there's going to be a name on that roster that we might not be thinking about right now that just completely just wows folks when all said and done. I'm trying to think of a name that might be that way, and I might pose that question in a, in a second. Makai Muse. See, that was my thought. Like he'll run a fast forty. I mean, so obviously, the, I don't know. We'll yeah. probably know. He'll be one of those guys that, you know, when if 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 and when numbers and stuff get leaked, it's going to be um, it's going to be big name guys. I mean, it's not going to be Makai Muse. Yeah, no offense, Makai. I mean, it'd be Muse. ideal. It'd be ideal. Unless it's just something absurd, maybe. Yeah. Like, like that's the only way I could think something like that right there. I, you know, if I had to choose, like, the one player outside of – I already mentioned Raylan Wilson, but I think another player for me is right, when you look at these things right there, give me Damon Wilson. I want to see – because he's the edge rusher, right, I, I think it's interesting to kind of get a feel for what we're looking like, right, at his size to see how fast that kid can go. You know, ultimately, a straight line 40 doesn't necessarily gauge what you're looking to see on the field, right? I think we're both aware of that. But, you know, if if if, if he runs like a, I don't know, like a, a low 4.5 or mid 4.5, 
or even into the four fours. Um, that's going to shock some folks, you know. Um, I, I'm curious also to see like some pure athleticism, like you mentioned in the broad jump and stuff, right? Like you, know, you really have to break down these these uh, these kind of you know events, if you will. Uh, to understand like what it translates to on the field if it does well at the end of the day you know like we've talked about there's only so much that this translates to on the football field when it like at some point you can either play or you can't it's kind of the same thing like nicobe dean people people worried about what he's what he was going to be able to do is he a first round talent all these things he's going to be a starting middle linebacker for the philadelphia eagles this year like you're going to get to see a lot of you know, what he has versus people are worried, oh, he's going to run a slow 40. Oh, people are worried he's going to, you know, he could be a little injury prone or have some existing injuries, um, you know. And then, and then like, you think about some of the fastest 40 times for receivers ever and how they just haven't really panned out. I think, like, you know, only only a very small percent of the top 25 fastest wide receiver times or, or DB times ran at um, the combine ever have gone on to have like good careers. You you really don't want to be the guy running the the four two three. They're telling you that there's something going on there that you know you're either too thin or too small or something. You you know you're not that guy. I guess so. I, I'd like to see some some good times, but. Obviously, history has kind of told you if you hear some crazy times that there could be more to the story as well. Yeah, no doubt. I think looking at July, right, like uh, it kind of, you know, you look on the horizon, right? You talked about fall camp or a fall camp starting here at the end of the, you know, end of July. You know, when it comes to the dead period, man, like in July, right, you've got, I think it helps to have SEC media days. Because, like you mentioned earlier, it's going to kind of be dead on campus, which is, you know, it's just one of these weird times, right? It's probably a college football fan's least favorite time of the year, right? Like when the pure dead period and everything, um, you know, but when you look at, right, like when we look at the end of July, right, we're going to talk more about this as, as the time comes closer, right? I'm sure we will. Um, you know, is there anything in July that you're interested to keep an eye out for, if you will? I, I'm curious only I'll, I'll go ahead and start I, I'm, I'm excited and curious and have my eyes up for the SEC media days um you know it seems like big news has been broken right at SEC media days um you know in the you know last year with Texas and Oklahoma joining all this stuff like, like that stuff was huge news but then you also had the drama from from Saban and and Jimbo too which was you know, it makes for must-see TV. Is are there is there anything in the month of July that you're like kind of got your eyes on already and kind of anxious to see what happens or what's going on? Yeah, like you said, July just isn't a great um, time. You know, it, even you said for college sports fans or for college football fans, really any sports fans, like literally, you know, the All MLB All Star break coming up. Those three days, there are zero sports on tv you know there is no basketball no hockey no football no baseball there is nothing so um definitely july is just a tough tough month for sports fans um like you're saying recruiting visits end uh so there's a dead period so 
you don't even get to talk about, oh, there's, you know, this recruit's coming to campus or this recruit canceled his visit. Now he's going to Florida State or whatever. Um, you know, we're kind of all clinging to media days at this point. And I don't foresee media day this year, you know, being quite as dramatic as media days last year. Like saying the Jimbo Nick Saban drama was great. You know, breaking the Texas Oklahoma news was great. I just don't see anything near the level of either one of those, unless you know Eli Drinkwitz comes out and has something to say about you know Shane Beamer or something, something to kind of stir the pot around. Because honestly, I don't think anybody's going to say anything about Nick. Nobody's going to say anything about Kirby that he's going to entertain. You know, you're going to have to fire up some mid-level SEC coaches talking about that, well, you know, somebody's a clown and they're running a clown show over in, in Missouri or something to get to get anything that bad. Yeah, I, mean, I think about it. When you when you look at SEC media days, you're not going to even expect anything out of Kirby Smart. Like he keeps it he by design, right? Like you'll probably get a long – like it is what it is, and he does this masterfully, <laughs> is, is just get a long, drawn-out intro speech, right? And then only enough time for a couple questions. So as a Georgia fan, I don't even know if SEC media days is – you'll catch some things, but it won't necessarily be as entertaining – that you would expect from a guy like a uh, Lane Kiffin, right? Or, you know, like you mentioned Eli Drinkwitz, right? Like those guys will go up there and they'll talk and, you know, they're kind of quick with their comment or their, their opening statements, if you will, that opens up more time for questions, right? You, you just don't see that with Kirby Smart. And I think Nick Saban as well, you know, to take their opening statements and, and extend them out, right? So that they don't have to do as many questions. Um, you know, listen, I hate to sound bad about this, but I guarantee you, you're going to hear all season incidents is a big topic for Georgia in the SEC media days. It's going to happen. So I'm prepping you now. It's going to happen. Um, you know, I guarantee you, I won't even, I guarantee you won't even hear that much about anything in the upcoming season. Um, you know, that's just, that's just my thought there. Uh, you know, but kind of as we move on into the next piece, right? Like, I want to I want to take time to bring up a second uh, our second sponsor for the show alumni hall uh, alumni hall as you see this shirt right there on the screen um, listen this thing's comfortable as shit I'm just gonna leave that there uh, dgdpodcast.com forward slash alumni hall learn more about alumni hall on our website and you and go shop as well uh, licensed Nike Cutter and Buck Yeti products forty seven just a few names. Um, they got it all, man. Just go check them out. Uh, follow them on Twitter, Instagram at Alumni Hall UGA, located in Athens and uh, the Oconee Connector. Um, you know, check them out. If you're in store, mention the DGD podcast and you can get 10% off your order in store. Um, so just giving you a heads up there. Thank you, Alumni Hall. Now, I think this is where it's going to get interesting, right? Everybody wants to focus on everything except on the field production with Georgia. Um so it's time to it's time for this this doubting, in my opinion. I'm gonna I don't want to sound too homerish, but if you're still doubting Georgia at this point, I don't know where the hell you've been. I, I just like I still find it interesting that people still find ways to doubt Georgia. Uh, it's happened 
every year for the past three years, right? Since we won the back to back, it's it's coming on. Uh, Kirk Hershey was on uh, Pat McAfee and, and basically was just doubling down, saying that Alabama is going to win the national championship. And my initial thoughts was, you know, Alabama's got more question marks than Georgia by far. And I'm sitting there thinking about it. It's like, yeah, then ESPN drops a couple rankings, things like this. Like, I'm not necessarily fond of the rankings, but I thought I thought it was absolutely laughable uh, to have Georgia third on the list. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a second, but I did want to go back to, you know, Kirk Herbstreit's point. You know, I find it interesting that you hear, you know, like you, I heard that, and it was just like, you know, give me Alabama running it, you know, winning it all. But in the same sentence, you can have those same people saying that, oh, nobody doubts Georgia. That's exactly what that is. Kobe, I'll let you take a little bit. What, did you what, did you hear about the Herb Street uh, comments? Yeah, I heard it. Um, it. It always surprised me with sometimes with Herbie. Um, and I know they have to, it's part of their job and, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, to me at this point in the year, it's June. Like, Herbie, give, give me Ohio State, buddy. Like, give me your, at least, at least give me your alma mater. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can get behind if, if at this point in the season there's nothing really to go on and you go, yeah, I think Ohio State could be one of the favorites to win it all. I, I'd take that from him. I guess the Alabama thing from him that doesn't make sense is he doesn't want to be lazy and, and pick us to three-peat. Um, you know, they, they would tell you that, that would be the easy pick where the odds on favorite. He obviously doesn't want to pick Michigan, being an Ohio State guy. He's going to really get it. Um, and then outside of, of that, you know, to me, he could have picked LSU possibly. Um, could have gone a little more non-conventional. Could say that Florida State's going to make a run. Um, I just guess I'm, I'm with you on the Alabama has a lot of question marks that need to be answered in the first four weeks of the season before I'm comfortable telling you that I think they're going to be a playoff caliber team. Are they going to have a good defense? Yes, I think so. Are they going to have an offense? That is still a question. How good is the receiving room going to be? How good is the quarterback room going to be? How good is the running back room going to be? Can the offensive line protect the quarterback? Can he? Can they run block? Can they pass pro? You know, there are going to be a lot of a lot of questions answered week two with Texas. I mean, because people are asking the same questions about Texas. Can they be a can they be a threat this year? Um, you know, to win it all. The, to me, there's a lot of teams. It, it just feels a, a little lazy to to call Bama at this point. I mean, there's USC, there's Washington with Michael Penix. You know, there are just a lot of people you could have kind of put some chips down on and been like, you know, I really like what they're doing. But instead you go, well, Nick's won six of them since 08, and he's played in probably four more. I think he plays in, you know, another one and wins another one. It's like they've picked Alabama to win the SEC every year since, what, 2010, 2009? Something like that. that. Like, basically, like that, yeah. the, you know, the media has favorited them to win the SEC every year at that point. Even the years that they haven't won it the year before, they're picking them to win it next year. 
which is fine. I mean, that's good. It, they deserve that at some extent. But I just don't know that you could pick them to, to win it all this year kind of thing. Not I mean, yet. not yet. Well, I mean, think if we look at it, though, right, from a high level, Georgia has to replace a quarterback. Georgia has got a new offensive coordinator, right? The thing about it is to me, though, is you have to look at the personnel. And when, when you take a look at Alabama, I'm not saying Alabama won't be a good team. I think they have a good shot to make it to Atlanta, right? But the, the question to me is when you, when you take a deeper dive into the personnel through the ta- and the things that have happened this offseason, you, you take a look at, you know, you have Jalen Milrow, you have um, Ty Simpson, right? Dylan Lonergan comes in uh, in this recycle, in this cycle uh, recruiting-wise. And then, you know, you sit there, you, obviously you're losing Bryce Young, right? You're losing Will Anderson, even though Dallas Turner will be just fine there. But, um, you know, offensively is where my question lies, right? Um, you, know, you bring in Tyler Buckner from the portal after your A-Day, if you're an Alabama fan. And you have to look at it from a third-party perspective. It's, you know, you sit there, why did you bring him in, right? People, they're going to say familiarity with the system, right? But if I saw what I saw last season, when Milrow was in, it wasn't promising to me. It just wasn't. So it leads you to believe that, well, you really just don't have that solid set guy. Right? Even though you can hear Miller be the guy, this and that, or like fair, whatever. We'll see. I, I'm just not sold on that quarterback room. And that's, you know, while you have personnel around you, the, the quarterback situation is always the most important. 100% will always be the most important. So, when you look at the situation there with Buckner and Ty Simpson and Milrow, uh, you know, obviously you can sit there and argue that we've got a quarterback competition, but I don't think it's nearly as open as it seems George's is. Right? George's is basically, like, I think we kind of know the writing's on the wall that Carson Beck's the guy, right? Milrow, we don't know at Alabama. You know, like, I'm curious if folks from within Alabama's program and the fans that really follow Alabama deep – deep like that would know either you know I think you have speculation because I I just what I watched from their spring game I just wasn't sold and then you pair that with last season with Milrow I've got my hesitations you know I think we'll find out come week two for Alabama right um you know but that could be a huge with you too though like I think the portal they go in and getting him out of the portal after a day was just a little, not concerning really, but just a little telling of like, okay, you know, they're they're not happy with how they've recruited and stacked this quarterback room. We're going to go get a guy that, you know, obviously knows the system, knows this offense really well, but it was it's looming during a time of like, but we haven't named a starter. If you had named Milrow the starter – and then go on and got this guy, it's like, okay, I understand what you're doing. You're building depth in your quarterback room. In case somebody gets hurt, you can jog somebody out there that at least knows all the calls and all the checks. Mm-hmm. But, but you're really bringing somebody in under the scope of this quarterback job is still wide open. It's just, I mean, I, optics play a part in everything. You know, I mean, like, like I said, with, with how things went, like, you know, if I watched if I watched G-Day, right, I think it was kind of obvious for us to see 
Carson Beck just looked like the best quarterback, right? He looked the most comfortable. All those signs point to him being the guy, right? I think that's kind of easy to figure out. But when you watch A-Day, and I watched it, you know, no no one completely separated themselves, and it was obvious. You know what I mean? So add that to the fact that you bring in a Notre Dame quarterback, you know, backup quarterback at that, like, just wasn't as successful. It makes you wonder what's going on, um, you know, but at the same time, right, like to kind of revert back to the main topic here on on, on the discussion, but what's up? I just guess like you're talking about, um, I think for, for every team that we could poke holes in and ask question marks, like you're saying, you could say, oh, the dogs are replacing Stetson Bennett. Oh, the dogs are replacing, you know, Todd Munkin. After that, you know, we you kind of start running out of people you're replacing. Um, you know, you're replacing Jalen Carter, you're replacing Chris Smith. Yes and yes. You really are reloading those positions. Um, versus, like, you look at Alabama, you're replacing an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. You just lost, you know, arguably the best quarterback to ever play at the University of Alabama. You just lost one of probably the best defenders to ever play at the University of Alabama. And, and now you're going to tell me that this team is actually going to, going to be better because of it? You know what I mean? Like, that that's the thing that – It just kind of raises some eyebrows, if you will. I mean, I think – I mean, listen, games have to be played, right? I mean – So, I mean, anything is possible, right? Because we thought after 2021, Kobe – that that team was, you know, we thought that that team was just one of the best defenses we've seen, and, and then twenty twenty two happened. You know what I mean? So it's like, but I guess again though, statistically speaking, twenty twenty one was way better than twenty twenty two defense. Yeah, not 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 way way better, but in, in terms of like all time greatness, twenty twenty one was still the defense. Um, you know, twenty twenty two was extremely good too. But, you know, they did. They give up the 30 to LSU. They give up the, you know, the big 41. Score. Yeah, they gave yeah. up 41 to Ohio State, whatever, yeah. And, and I'm not saying the 2021 wouldn't have. I mean, I think we, we ran into some a good team in Ohio State, and I think that, you know, LSU is a lot of garbage touchdowns. I mean, he still won by three scores. So, um, it, it's one of those things that Alabama, like, yes, you you still have Dallas Turner. Yes, you still have um, a couple good wide receivers. But I think that, that their core is is just not what people are used to it being over there. Yeah. I mean, let's but kind of revert it back, right? The fact that, you know, the fact that you see this art, you know, this art, you know, you see Kirk Herbstreit Kirk, Kirk going on Pat McAfee's show, the, the, the telling the damning thing to me is this. So ESPN drops a report, a, a ranking uh, from the 2020s decade, right? That's 2020 to now. Georgia might've added his one, two national titles out of the three so far. So to, so with that being said, how do you have Georgia third behind Alabama and Ohio state? How do you have them third? So you, you got you got this explanation because I actually did not see that um, tweet or or whatever it was. Yeah, there was it was like a some kind of ranking. I don't I don't know what exactly. I'd have to try to find it. I might put it in the show notes if I can find that specifically. But basically, ranking teams. 
based off of right from 2020 uh, you know, to present. Uh, and you had Alabama at number one, Ohio State at two, and then Georgia at three. Now, I, I guess for me, I, I guess that proves, if anything, that national titles don't mean 100% of everything. Uh, but that's a pretty damn good indicator that you're doing something right. And the fact that you got two-thirds of the titles in this, in this uh, decade so far, how yeah, can you put it? I would, be, I would be interested. I mean, I've, I obviously would probably agree – to some extent, that those would be your top three teams. I wouldn't agree in that order. I mean, basically, you look at it, Alabama has appeared in two natties so far and won one and lost one. Georgia's appeared in two natties and gone 2-0. and Ohio State's who lost that game in 2020, if I remember right. So they've appeared in one natty and appeared in one playoff. Um you know, I, I could see that being an argument for the top three teams, but I just don't agree, like you're saying, in the order necessarily. Um, I think if Michigan would have beat TCU this year, you may could argue Michigan as well would be one of those top teams. I don't know where it kind of runs after that. Um, but you know, Michigan and Ohio State, I would say, would be neck and neck since the 2020 season has started. Only the slight edge to Ohio State being that they played um, in the in the Mickey Mouse natty that was the 2020, where they only had to play like four or five games, and then they had to change the rules for them to qualify. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole within itself. Um, let's go leave that there. But um, but not th- this whole Dalton Georgia thing. It just feels Kirby. I, there's no doubt in my mind that he finds this kind of information and literally just puts gasoline on it and throws it to his team and just lights the fire. Well, like you're saying, people are talking about the brainwashing that's going on of like, oh, people, you know, talking about that Kirby has people believing they're going to go eight and four. Um, I think some of that gets blown out of proportion, but I think a lot of the guys on the team and Especially, you know, you give somebody with a big personality like Nolan Smith that's very loud and not letting people forget about things. Um, And then especially the fact that he was hurt for a majority of the season. You don't have as many of those distractions keeping you off social media and watching ESPN and the morning talk shows. You know, you hear hear college game day when they pick Tennessee across the board to beat you at home. You hear when Kirk Herbstreit goes on Pat McAfee and says – well, I think that the Alabama is going to win the Natty this year, no doubt. Um, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, when they're going, y'all doubted us, and and people are, you know, rolling over going, who n- nobody ever doubted you. You were the odds-on favorite to win, all these things. It's like, just because Vegas didn't doubt us doesn't mean that all these reporters didn't in June and July and at different times in the season going, well, I'm just not sure that this Georgia team has what it takes to win the Natty. You know. Yeah, got to love it, man. Absolutely love it. But I, I think you look at it and, listen, when you when all is said and done, you're just adding fuel to the three-peat fire, man. Like, if we three-peat, I mean, we got to look back to this these moments. And, you know, if we do that, then it's just one of these things where, like, listen, this is why, this is why you don't doubt UGA. You know what I mean? Last thing before we wrap this thing up, man, we gotta, we're got we going to take questions from the brigade um, discord here, folks. 
so with that being said, I will pose the one question that we got, but it is the biggest topic that we like to do, and that is your recruiting. So with that being said, let me open up the show question here. And earlier we had DG Pat, by the way, uh, and he poses a question, question for the show. Do we foresee any big time commits between now and July 4th holiday? To that, I say yes. I say yes. <clears throat> Excuse me, wholeheartedly yes. Um, you know, listen, July 4th is a big time holiday, right? Um, Kobe, if you keep up with it, you're aware a lot of kids like popping on July 4th. Um, and you've also got a kid, um, Ayuni, uh, Michael Ayuni, I think that's how you said him. I hope I'm not butchering it, um, expected to commit June 30th. So this Friday, uh, you're looking between Georgia, Bama, and Michigan. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that's a four-star offensive lineman. Kid's huge, 6'7", 300-plus. I think it was like 6'7", 330 or something like that, I think. Um, massive kid. Um, Kobe, do you got anything to uh, elaborate with? Um, I'll say this, as far as Sam Pittman did a lot of great things for your offensive line. I'm not sure that, um, that anybody's ever going to be able to replicate exactly how well he recruited and, and, and developed. Um, Matt Luke had, had some big hits and some big misses in his time here. Um, but I would say Stacy Searles is is shaping up to to make a push similar to Sam Pittman um, in in his time here. Uh, big bodies are back for the University of Georgia. That's uh, that's interesting to think too, though. But yeah, I'm we with did, you. We definitely thinned up under Matt Luke a little bit. Um, not a we lot. We did. Not not a lot. Not a ton. You went well. You went from like a three twenty average to like a three ten, three fifteen, which kind of matters though. But it does. I mean, also, it does. when you're running the this type of schemes and stuff that we were running, it makes sense. But also with Todd Munkin, you got to be a little thinner to be able to run the speed. But um, one thing I, you've definitely seen under this class and, and its commitment so far and, and the guys that you'll have commit in the future is is if that number says 6667, know that we're interested. We may not get you, but – and we're we're back to to looking a lot harder than we were. Um, you know, we went through a little bit of a time there where really six five, maybe six six if you were athletic was as yep. big as we were wanting you. But yeah, so Pat, to answer that question, uh wholeheartedly yes. Uh Kobe, with that being said, let's wrap this thing up, man. Uh also if listen, uh if you're curious about joining our Discord folks, it's in the it's in the show notes. If you have issues just message us at the DGD podcast on Twitter, Instagram messages. We'll get you in the discord. Uh, it's a free community for dog fans. We talk recruiting, anything you want to talk about, we talk about it. Uh, so keep in mind, if you're curious about the discord, that is where we talk a lot of show stuff. We talk, um, you know, talk, I said, recruiting, anything involved with the team is where we do it, but it's all things dogs. Even some exclusive stuff. Mm, absolutely. See, any last words before the holidays? Speaking of, I hope everyone has a great Fourth uh, of July as well. Um, as a as a owner of two dogs, make sure keep in mind for your dogs and veterans as well. 
PTSD is real, folks. I promise you. Have you noticed that the whole time that my macro is blinking? <gasps> what does that mean? Oh, it no. It just means I didn't clear the timer on it earlier, but isn't that annoying? Have oh, you no. noticed that the whole show? It's just me. I don't even know how to answer this. Don't know how to respond to that. Um, All right, leave fellas. Maybe one day we'll find one again. Maybe. If, we'll if you – I've I've heard that I've heard that Rudes, Pat, and Juan are on the back of milk cartons. I think Mayola or Pet. I'm not sure. Um, whatever Geo Double G drinks was not the answer. It's the dog days of summer. It's feeling like dog days of the DGD podcast. We're we're a little thin on on roll call today. Absolutely. You know, listen, we're 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 show covering all things dogs, and I like I said, Fourth of July fireworks. Keep in mind the dogs, man. Medication, get your dogs some medication if you need to. Go to your vet. Hurry up now. Just got to leave that be. Let that be known, all right? I know it's a little bit random, but it's not. It is. Um, Joel, apparently jo- Joel you, Utah's winning a couple positive points today with you showing up. Yeah. There's some extra, some extra credit in class today. Well, I yeah. just saw uh, – so we'll kind of do some breaking news. Uh, one of the tight end targets that Georgia was looking at, Carter Nelson – has announced his commitment to Nebraska. So it looks like it's kind of expected on that one, but uh, Carter Nelson looks to be headed to Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, which tells me that I think Georgia's still very extremely confident, might I add, on uh, Riddell and Heinrich. Uh, so Georgia's still set right there, which we'll talk a little bit more recruiting next time if need be. Um, but, yeah, other than that, Kobe, hope you have a great weekend. Hope everyone listening and watching has a great 4th of July holiday. We will be back Wednesday Right and early, or bright and early at noon. Right, love that oxymoronic statement there. Um, but with that being said, we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Go dogs! Go dogs! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.